0: Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of A Contagious Smile, where every smile tells a story. We have such an amazing lady here today who is going to provide us with such resources for those of us that have found such comfort and food and maybe not taking the best care of ourselves. And this is Dr. Sheila, and she's going to help us realize that we do have control over that and we can get back to where we need to be in a healthy way. Dr. Sheila, thank you so very much for being here with us today. I truly appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Victoria. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Of course. So as you know, like I'm a trauma victim. I put on weight um, because it was the comfort food. I've also put on weight due to the surgeries and stuff. I used to be an advocate in the gym every day. You know, I I was just like it was I was addicted to working out, honestly, and then surgeries post up can't work out. Then you have like the amputation. You can't work out the same way. And, you know, not even just that, but when you have these women that are fighting for themselves, fighting for their children, and they they have been isolated from any and everyone, the only thing they have is that comfort of food. And so they just engorge in it. And I'm guilty of it as, as well. What can we do? And I've seen a lot of teens that we have on our show that do the same thing because they, they don't know what to do because their parents are fighting and it's a bad environment. So they engorge in food. So what can we do and how do we start?
1: It's it's a little bit different for everyone, but what we are sure. really describing is, um, well, there's a couple of things. Families under stress, you know, s- s- stress has such a effect on our hormones and how our body responds it actually makes us hungrier
0: really so, yeah i didn't so know when, that
1: when, yeah when you are under stress <laughs> and you're not sleeping well it affects your hormones that and and so your body's responses to that oh you should eat something so that's why people not to mention the fact that in our culture we we grow up most people grow up um kind of learning behaviors of um, emotional eating or, and if you use the term emotional eating to really mean nothing bad about yourself, but emotional eating is just eating for any other reason than to fuel your body. So, you know, we say, Oh, you know, if you've gone to the beach for the day or whatever, and it'd be so much better to get an ice cream, this will just make it so much more fun. Or, oh, you got to you got to be on your report card. Let's go get, let's go celebrate with whatever food, you know? So right. we teach our kids, or oh, you're sad here, just have this cookie and it'll be fine. So in our culture, we, we learn to seek food for comfort and our human body, how we've evolved our body. It tells us to seek food for comfort. So, you know, I think the first thing is just being aware of what's actually happening because sometimes I think when we when we do reach for food for comfort, we don't even know, number one, that we're doing that. And number two, we all oftentimes just make it mean something bad about ourselves. Like, oh, why am I doing that? It's one more thing that's wrong with me. I've got this problem. And it's really not that at all. And then the last thing I'll add in is now – today 2023 we are living in a food environment
0: yes
1: that it's not created these foods are not created for our health they are created to make some companies money Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: so the other thing is that the foods that we're choosing to eat when we're reaching for comfort are designed to make you want to eat more of them and they affect your body's hormones in a way that make you want to eat more of them. So, yeah, so it's a big, you know, it's a multi-pronged issue. um, But I think the first step is becoming aware and then, you know, acquiring the knowledge of what's really going on here.
0: Right. I had a wonderful lady I'm, I'm working with and she says, Victoria, I go in and like into my junk drawer in the kitchen to go get something out of it. And then I realized that I've come back with a bag of cookies and I'm like, And she goes, I went in there to get something else. And I come in and it's like, subconsciously, I went into the kitchen. So my mind subconsciously was like, well, you're in the kitchen. You got to get something to eat. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I wasn't even hungry. But then afterwards, she's like, yeah, that's going to help me drop my weight. That was brilliant. And she said, I do that after I eat. And she goes, I didn't go in there for that. I had no intention. And I just come back with a bag of cookies and i said i get that you know you have that quick rush where you get a little bit of spiked energy and then you crash down and you're tired so you go back and get more because you need to stay awake to to do whatever it is you're doing
1: yeah and that's all the human body that's how the human body works that's you know it's evolved in this way to keep us alive over thousands and however many millions of years right um but our human body the evolution hasn't kept up with our modern food environment. So our bodies are not designed to handle the super concentrated um, foods that are most people are snacking on and buying, you know, today. Right. Yeah. It's a problem for sure.
0: Our rule here is when it's time for dinner, that there's no electronics, there's no phones, there's no Mm. earphones. And I, our daughter only has a few hours a day, and I mean a very few, um, on the phone. And she can't have the phone until all of her schoolwork is done and her chores are done. And I tell her, you're not getting in trouble. You're choosing not to have that phone because you're choosing not to work on your education. And I am such an advocate about – I'm not a video game supporter. I don't like them. I think they're horrific. My husband had two children going into this marriage and I consider them mine and I love them to death. But I mean, his son will play video games 18 hours a day and then he just sits there and snacks and I'm like, I don't agree with it. And then it it feels like when he comes off the game long enough that he doesn't feel like he belongs in this world because that's his world he lives in. And I'm like, "Mm, can't you just put that down? I mean, he brings the whole game system over in a suitcase. That's what he brings over. And he's 18. And, and I was like, well, there's so many other things. Why don't we go outside and enjoy the fresh air? You know, Let's go out and play. Oh, why do I want to do that? Don't you want to go to your friends? I just saw them on the game. Why do I need to go to their house? And it, it's mind blowing to me the difference in, in our generation and this generation because they're just like, oh, I'm going to grab some soda. And I'm like, I have juice. I have water. I have milk. I have... You know, all of these other things. Well, can we go get a Coke or can I get a Red Bull? And I'm like, you, you're not going to drink a Red Bull while I get them at home all the time. You know, and I'm like, you're so young. You shouldn't be drinking Red Bull or Monster or whatever. And why drink a four pack every day? And I'm like.
1: I know, I know.
0: Well, it's it
1: is the culture that we are living in right now. So, you know, it, it this is this is the problem or not the problem, but this is the the work for parents
0: right. and it is
1: work no there is no doubt about it it i have a 10 well he's 11 now um he loves video games he um he would rather do that than you know he's uh, he also you know plays you know uh, a bunch of sports he's 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 he loves video games i guess it would be one way to put it but he doesn't i don't let him um just play all day long but right. he would
0: you know they would right yeah
1: yeah and um and I I think knowing for parents us to like us parents knowing oh well the video games are creating this dopamine response in their brain that's exciting and it's it is pleasurable so they're they're enjoying it and so you know Understanding like why they like video games. Yeah, I know. But really understanding the physiology of it. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you just have to continue with that. Right. Because then they feel like
0: they're not as happy when they're not playing. And what exactly and what really gets me, Dr. Sheila, is the fact that like when we were growing up, we had frogger and pac-man and you know we're showing our age and like donkey kong donkey kong yes that's what that's what i was trying to think of and mario and now these games today are so violent and they're everything and
1: they're so fast-paced yes and they're and they're like
0: hilarious and i said i said what are y'all doing uh minecraft there's no violence really did you just blow up a building well i didn't blow up anybody okay so that that makes it okay You know, and we wonder why we have such issues with our kids and violence. I mean, really, it, video games are not a babysitter. You know, just don't hand them the controller and say, "I'll see you later" and be gone the whole day. Like that just, you know, and I know a but lot so of It's people, a lot of work
1: that. for parents to with right. their kids or get them off. And, you know, I think one approach so what we're all doing parenting is we are basically, you know, on this very long runway with our kids where we're eventually going to be like, "Okay, You guys are on your own. So your your son is 18 now. um, And so he's getting super close, you know, Um, and the whole idea is like we want to inspire our kids so that they have the motivation within themselves to want to put the video game down, to want to choose water over Red Bull to want to do their homework, you know, that's intrinsic motivation. Um, and that's where, um, where like true pleasure comes in people's lives. Like, um, not fun pleasure, like going to a theme park, but like deep meaning and purposefulness. Like it comes when you are making choices that like, for example, your son, you know, when he decides for himself to stop doing the video games or 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 you know so that he, so that he can um, spend his time doing something else that contributes maybe to to his life, to the family's life, to the to society, you know, having a purpose um, and also, you know, being connected to people. So all of those things are what um, really help people, find wellness. Right. Um, but the biggest one is autonomy. So m- him making his own decisions to do that.
0: Right. Um,
1: yeah. So it's, it's a lot. So, you know, my son's only 11. Um, so I'm constantly trying to educate him, give him, you know, little snippets of education and, um, you know, hoping that on this very long runway that I have with him that over time he'll step into, Well, I'm choosing to eat this, you know, whatever salad, just as a, you know, salad instead of whatever. Um, I'm choosing to drink water instead of soda, because I know it's really good for my body and I want to take care of myself,
0: you know? Yeah. And And also
1: just, sorry, just, I was just going to say, like, I think for parents, it's, just progress over perfection, like, you know what I mean? It's not all or nothing, a couple of red bills, you know, like, whatever, even if you drink, you know, it's just, there's, there's, we have what we can control. Our sphere of control is only ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with, especially with split families, if a child is um, spending one, you know, certain amount of time with one family, one parent and another divorced parent, two different households. Um, My advice in those situations are just control what you can control, meaning what you buy at your house, the Mm -hmm. rules you have at your house. Um, And, you know, as parents, we, we control how we think and feel and act. Um, We can't even control how our children think and feel and act, Mm -hmm. you know, so control what you can control and then kind of allow the rest to happen
0: right and it's really different because we have um our daughter who has had a feeding tube her whole life so everything she's had has been you know the feeding tube uh consistence of the food and the, the poultry and the vegetables and and everything like that and so now she is she loves starbucks she loves coffee and i'm telling her i'm like you gotta drink water and we're you know we've transitioned where we're doing more orally and she's like coffee's made of water and i'm like it's also made of caffeine smarty pants and i'll make you a deal one coffee for every water and i you know we kind of give and take and give and take and then i never introduced her like she's never had a greasy hamburger um she has a very small mouth but she could do it in tiny tiny little bites and i've never introduced her to that like she loves corn and she loves you know chicken and and vegetables and things like that because the other stuff she A can't manage it and B it hasn't been introduced to her like you know once in a while she'll get french fries like very rare and she'll eat them but she doesn't ever crave them because We're like, you know, you got to have your water. She hates soda. You cannot get her to drink a soda, which I love. And, you know, I hate the fact that it was a feeding tube that helped bring us to this. But she understands the importance. And, you know, and I'm hoping it'll kind of rub off a little bit, you know, just a little on the others. But it doesn't. I mean, the fact she'll say, I'm going outside to help. I'm going to go play with the pups. I'm going to go do this or that. You know, I don't want to sit here and play video games all day. And that to me is like, oh. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And every every child is wired slightly
0: differently. Right. You know?
1: And and I think trying to also connect, like you have so many examples in your household. Like, you know, you know, you could talk with your older kids about um, you know, feeding your puppies. And you know, you wanna you're not feeding your puppies kind of, you know, Don't. food that Food that wasn't designed for, that they were that they weren't designed to eat. Okay, right. well, why aren't we giving our puppy, you know, sour patch kids? Well, right. because his body, you know, won't do well with that. It, we're similar beings, you know. Right. I say to my son all the time, like, just because something's available for purchase doesn't mean it's good for us. Doesn't even mean it's safe for us. It just means it's been created out there in the in a lab somewhere and it's for sale. And so we, I think kids, I think especially older kids, they can really understand that, you know, and, and it, and if it's pointed out to them um, that not everything that you can buy and, and you should buy um, the other thing I would think it would be interesting if you're, if he'd be willing to at all, your older guy, um, try to tie in how he feels in his body. Like, how do you feel after drinking for whatever monster energy drinks or whatever he's drinking? Right. And then, Oh, would you be willing to do an experiment? And, you know, don't drink those and see how you're feeling and see, you know, and I, cause I think like that gets it, that's disconnected. We're disconnected from our physical bodies, how we actually feel after we eat things, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah. And is.
1: your daughter might be more in tune with that because of all the things she's been through you know, she might be more in tune with her physical body, you know, like kids, for example, kids with celiac disease, or, you know, um, a a true allergy to something, they naturally avoid those foods, because when they eat them, they don't feel good. So they will naturally avoid those. most times naturally avoid those foods. It's so interesting. But for those of us without allergies, (laughs) we're kind of like, I know, for me, I never until recently in the past you know five to seven years like and I I didn't really connect food I was eating or drinking with how I actually felt you know
0: right yeah
1: just kind of was eating I, my, not mindlessly but like unconsciously in a way you know
0: mm-hmm. So you it's know? not about the number because I tell my daughter that all the time it's not about the number on the scale, it's about how you feel
1: yeah but- it's about your health. It's about your overall health.
0: Yeah. Right. How can we help someone who's been eating for comfort come out of that to get healthier?
1: Um. So understanding the first big realization is, oh, I am eating for comfort, you know, um, and that that takes like a pause, like uh, like the person you are mentioning who goes to the kitchen to pick up some scissors, but she ends up coming back with, you know, some right. other food, you right. know? Right. So there has to be like an awareness of, uh, before you just, oh, I'll eat that. And I, you know, I'll, I know I have wheat thins in the, in the kitchen. So I'll, I'll have a handful on my way back to my desk. And so that, that pause, and there's strategies for that, Meaning like you could, you could write down your food, not in a restrictive way and not in a mean tracking way, but by, by saying to yourself, oh, I am going to just see what I'm actually doing, uh, you know, and that, that's a tool that we use sometimes to people to gain awareness of what you're actually eating without trying to change anything for at first and without trying to judge yourself, oh you know, I shouldn't have eaten that. That's bad. I'm bad. Or, you know, no, it's not that. The other thing, question that I love um is, you know, what am I hoping this food is going to do for me? Like, what am I hoping, you know, for example, when I am stressed or anxious or exhausted and I find myself in the kitchen opening every, drawer and, you know, refrigerator looking for something. And I realized like, you know, what am I hoping that this food is gonna give me a hug?
0: You know, what am I really looking for? I'm
1: looking for comfort. I'm looking for less stress. I'm looking for some relief, you Mm -hmm. know? And the hard part is that the food that we have available to us today gives us relief in the moment. It gives us that little bit of dopamine it, or big, big hit of dopamine, that comfort. Um, it numbs like our, it numbs the feeling that we don't want to have. Right. The problem is that we are trading the relief of short-term, we're indulging in short term short-term relief and then later experiencing discomfort because then we ate something we didn't want to or now we're gaining weight and we're, we're not or we're not loving the way we feel in our body, you know. So I think the truth is like and I try to teach this to my son and all my clients like we have we're going to have discomfort no matter what in our life. Um, it's part of the human condition. It's part of life. Yes. And so learning to n- identify discomfort you know, this uncomfortable feeling of feeling anxious or feeling super stressed. Um, and instead of, you know, doing something to try to make that feeling go away, like uh, people, people, ha- some people over drink, they, they don't overeat, but they'll over drink. Some people over shop, some people over social media, just scrolling all the time. All of those things are uh,
0: like an addiction. Co-
1: yeah, in the coaching world, we use the term buffering. And what they're just buffering your feeling because you don't want to feel that that um, awkward, you know, or whatever feeling is that negative feeling, right? Um, rejection, all the negative feelings nobody wants to feel, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but the the truth is that they say we say that like if you are willing to just sit with that feeling and allow it actually in your body, like oh, I feel, you know, for example, if you feel rejected by somebody or or job you know you lose your job you know you feel like you feel terrible but what does that really mean we sometimes think we sometimes are so in our heads we don't understand that our feelings are also in our body and oh i feel like oh i feel slumped over i feel like a heavy weight i feel oh i feel so you know bad, it feels dark and heavy. So you can, there's lots of tools and um, skills to acquire to actually kind of identify the feelings that you're feeling. And in the coaching world, we use the term process your feelings. So you process them and they just kind of fade away pretty quickly, like a minute to 90 seconds. Really? Yeah. So if you can learn that skill Doesn't mean they're gonna go permanently away. It's not like a one and done situation. Sure. Yeah. But it is so freeing and so empowering. And you're like, ah, yeah, this is it. I'm frustrated. This is this is how I feel when I'm frustrated. And so it just frees you up to not have to react to that feeling by doing something you really don't want to do, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. I, a lot of people say, well, I'll just start taking diet pills. And, you know, there was a big thing back in the day about the uh, fettermine. And yeah. it's still out there. Fetamine is still yeah. available. And it, I'm sure it's, it's still doing the same problems. It's
1: in a different combination now that it was with two. It, yeah. So, you know, I just actually um, took the board exam um, for obesity medicine. So I became board certified in obesity medicine. You. Yeah, it was it was so fascinating to study all of the, uh, the science of obesity, um, and the drugs that are now available and the, um, surgeries, the, the metabolic surgeries that are available. Um,
0: and
1: where was I going? I lost, my, I lost my train of thought. We were
0: talking about phentermine and. Oh alcohol yeah. Alcohol.
1: And medications and, you know, the, the, Medications are available for kids now too. Um, There was just the American Academy of Pediatrics published a treatment for obesity guidelines for kids where kids as young as like 12 and 13 are being considered for certain medications, not all medications, but certain medications and certain surgeries. So, um, But I think, and each medication kind of works in a different way. But I don't know if you've heard of like the like the Ozempic or some of the they're called GLP one agonists. They're kind of I don't know if you've been following like some celebrities have lost dramatic amounts of weight. Um, anyways, they are amazing medications that can really help people be uh, help people who are suffering severe obesity lose uh, lose weight gain health really is what they're going for. Um and the problem is these medications, well, they're crazy expensive. So there's a huge gap in like who can even pay for pay them. For right,
0: right. So yeah, good. it's
1: ridiculous. Right. Um, but the problem is you they they when you stop taking them, they're effective. Gain it back. Yeah, you will gain it back. Because you have you need to learn the skills of understanding why you're eating, understanding how your body works, understanding why you're eating, choosing foods that are going to work for you and understanding, like for me, like I, I don't eat a lot of flour or a lot of sugar anymore. Added sugars. I eat sugar and fruit and sugar and dairy products and things like that. But like, I won't eat, um, A cookie or you, you, because I don't want to, (laughs) because I've shifted in my, but I don't feel deprived because I've shifted in my brain to really truly believe like I'm choosing to not eat that because I don't want the negative results, not just of weight, but of when I eat that cookie, my blood glucose is going to go up. That's going to make my insulin go up. Having high insulin levels is associated with so many, very much, yeah. you know, negative health consequences. Um, and so that is the power of like trying to, you know, you're not not following a diet because a diet is just somebody else's rules for you. And it it also kind of is like, oh well, I'm going to start my diet and then I'm going to end my diet. But then what do you do after that? You mm-hmm. know, you mm-hmm. have to figure out a way. I call it just a way of eating, you know, um, because anytime we use the word diet, people think like a restrictive diet or a calorie, low calorie diet, that's not really diet in medical terms. It's just anything you eat or drink, you know, people also talk about diet, like what you consume electronically, what you're, you know, what you listen to, like what's your total diet is everything that's coming into you. Uh Um, But the trick is, or it's not a trick, but the the skill is, like, understanding you have the control and the power to decide on purpose what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink, and you don't have to feel deprived, you know? I sometimes use use this for, it helps for people to understand, like, do you think, vegetarians feel deprived that they don't eat meat. No, no. Why? Why don't they feel deprived?
0: Probably because they never had it. And so they don't miss it. It's like, if you've never had something, how can you miss it?
1: Yeah. But even if you were like a non-vegetarian and then you became a vegetarian, they don't feel deprived because they're choosing it on their own. Right. Right. So they're choosing to be vegetarian or they're choosing to be vegan. So they don't feel deprived, you know, Um, and that, that is the step, the freedom piece that everyone can get to if they're willing to do, you know, that's the coaching, that's the work, that's the inner work, that's the really understanding, what am I thinking that's creating this feeling that's, you know, making me want to eat this thing, you know?
0: Right. You said that Phenomene changed their whole like dynamic. Well,
1: phenomine used to be part of Fenfen, mm-hmm. and I'm not an expert at Fenfen. That was a little bit before my time, and it's not on the market anymore. But it was associated with cardiac issues. Right, I remember that. Now you can take some doctors prescribed fentamine alone, and there are regulations. It's interesting. Every state, I believe, has different regulations for uh, the tracking that 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 a patient would need to undergo how frequent blood pressure um, labs and things like that that have to do with using fentermine But I know fentermine has been used safely without cardiac problems for lots and lots and lots of... There's a lot of safety data on it.
0: What can someone do if they want to curb their hunger, like to suppress hunger?
1: Yeah, so not taking medication, without medications. So interestingly, one thing that will really curb people's hunger is decreasing the amount of added sugars in your diet so that i personally experienced that a few years ago when um i decided to try giving up uh all flour flour just quickly breaks down into sugar so it, it's like flour is the same thing as, as sugar. Essentially, your body recognizes it in the same way.
0: So uh, no bread, no pasta, no.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When I first heard that, I was like, that's insane. Who lives like that? I love bread. You know what I mean? I'm that's like, my problem.
0: I love bread. Oh,
1: and I love to cook. And I was like, well, what would I eat? You know what? And, and you know, I just it took me months, honestly, to even be willing to really try that. Mm-hmm. But when I did, it also like in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, if I don't like it, I don't feel good on this. I can always go back to what my, my, my previous ways. I'm an adult. I get to choose what I'm doing. Hey. So I, I stepped into it knowing like, you know what? I want to feel differently. I want to lose weight. I want to be healthier. I'm going to give this a try. I've seen it work for so many people. And so many people have told me that they feel great on it. So, I gave up flour and sugar. I, I did have withdrawal. I think I was gonna from, ask
0: you. Oh my god. Yeah. Goodness.
1: I think like headache. Um, and, you know, it was a couple of days, honestly, but drinking a lot of water, staying hydrated. And also, I didn't restrict myself in any other way. If I felt like a headache, or I, I, just, I would even try, I could eat something, but not flour and sugar.
0: No pizza? And- no pizza. Oh, that would be it. I couldn't do it. That's that's my Achilles heel. It's just pizza. That's it. Like, I, I could get rid of bread. I'm okay with that. I can get rid of pasta. I don't eat well, pasta. Well, here's the
1: thing. I mean, if you want to eat that, it's totally fine. You know? It, it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know? But it's it's good. To, it's fun to do a, an experiment. When I gave up flour and sugar, back to the hunger levels, my hunger levels dropped dramatically. Because what, what drives part of what part of drives our hunger is these hormones responses to, you know, sugar coming in, then your insulin takes the sugar out of your bloodstream. Then your cells are like, oh, but I, I'm used to getting a lot more sugar and it sends up a signal you should eat something. So, and then you're just like, oh, well, I'm hungry, you know, and right. it's true. You are hungry. But when you stop that and go through and let your body adjust to, you know, its factory setting, so to speak, (laughs) Um, you know, if you think about how we ate, our ancestors ate 200 years ago. So not even that far ago, sometimes with little kids, I would say, well, what do you think Abe Lincoln was eating? You know, or somebody famous that they know or Martha Washington or, you know. (laughs) Um, And our bodies were designed to eat, go periods of long periods of time, you know, without without eating and then eat again. Mm -hmm. And we do it every night, you know, we sleep all night and we don't eat. Um, And our body keeps going and keeps functioning and that's the only time for most people in today's world, for most people, that our body has a chance to kind of tap into its energy stores and use that. Um, but if you decrease or eliminate, at least temporarily, flour and sugar, you will see that your hunger goes way down. And your body adapts to that by learn by using its own using its own fuel stores. You know, using your stored fat, essentially, right. to start burning. So people, some if you look in the, in the literature, people talk about being a fat burner or being fat adapted. Um, and that as opposed to being a sugar burner. Um, but by changing the foods we are choosing to eat, we definitely can affect our hunger levels.
0: And, what about the apple cider vinegar kick that you hear all about? All
1: oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do drink apple cider vinegar in some water. Oh, um, gross.
0: Every- Doesn't it taste horrible?
1: Uh, you know, I started in like a small amount. Um, what's that, what that has been shown to do. There's, there's a really popular person on, on Instagram. I don't know her, but I, um, I follow her and I did read her book and she's called the glucose goddess. She's, yeah, she Mm -hmm. talked about apple cider vinegar. She wears a continuous glucose monitor, like an indwelling device. Mm -hmm. And she does these experiments where she eats something and she monitors her glucose spike after she eats something. And then, for example, she would drink apple cider vinegar, which is like, I think the recommendation is a tablespoon and a big cup of water, but you could even go littler amounts and work your way up. I wouldn't drink it it, it burns like, you know, it's, it can burn your throat, but, um, and so, you know, so then she would drink the apple cider vinegar and eat the same thing, same amount of thing she just did or did the day before. And you'll see that the glucose spike is much less because the apple cider vinegar affects the insulin release.
0: But does it do weight loss?
1: Well, how we lose weight in our bodies is we keep our insulin levels low. So when insulin is in our bloodstream, insulin is a fat storage hormone. So the ways the way to lose weight or one way to lose weight is well, this is what I, I believe. And honestly, this is this is what I f- really feel for all of us people in the world and uh, all of us people struggling with our weight. Even doctors honestly don't agree with the best way to lose weight. Some doctors from very prominent institutions are like, you should go plant-based, plant low-fat, plant-based diet. That's the best way. You have other doctors who are like, nope, keto, High protein, high fat is fine. But for me, what I, I had personally had success with, and I see my patients and my clients having success with, and also what makes sense to me medically with the background that I have, is that when our insulin levels are low, our body is able to access the energy stores, which are basically in our fat cells. So the two, the ways that we keep our insulin levels low are the foods we choose to eat. For example, um, you know, most whole like real unprocessed foods don't have a lot of added sugars. Um, but Processed foods tend to have a lot of added sugars. So the foods you choose to eat, for example, if you just ate some plain chicken or regular chicken, your insulin level would remain quite low. Um, And that allows your body to, yes, burn the chicken, use the chicken that you've just eaten for fuel. But also, oh, if you need more fuel, I'm just going to tap into your fat stores. Um, The other way to keep your insulin level low is uh, gaps in time between your eating. It's so interesting if you look at the rise of obesity in the United States, and it's now happening around the world, it it really is in the very late 70s and mostly in the 80s when obesity really just started to jump up. Mm -hmm. And it exactly correlates with the rise of the snack food industry. And people started snacking all the time. Right. And so our bodies never have a chance to get into that fat burning state. Used to be people ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And almost everybody in the 70s and before, you know, I think the obesity rate for kids, you know, before 1970 was something like 5%. Five out of 20 kids, you know.
0: Not anymore. No,
1: not anymore. It's upwards of. 35, 30, 35, depending on what numbers you use. But what's hap- But this is part of the problem. People used to eat breakfast, then they would have a period of time, eat lunch, have a period of time, eat dinner, you know? And that was that. People weren't snacking all the time. And so their insulin, our insulin levels today are going up and down, up and down, up and down. So another really great tool for people to, if they're trying to lose weight and feel better, is stop snacking eat enough at your meals that you're satisfied and then say you know what i'm not going to eat until my next meal you know and that really physiologically that's how our bodies were designed to work you know that's how we've evolved over there was never snack food you know
0: right right, right. you also yeah. have your medical degree right yeah. yes because yes. I, yeah. I wanted everybody to know um yeah. and so you work with Uh, patients on the medical side as well. And I you know, a lot of people say, do I need to go get like a baseline of all my labs done and see where I am? And do you suggest that that people go and do that to start?
1: I think for adults, it's probably really helpful to understand because adults, you know, depending on how long, you know, depending on what you've been eating, how long you've been eating, it, it might be really helpful to understand where you are from a Glucose fasting, glucose like a diabetes slash prediabetes or anything like that, um, I, and also there's labs that can help us understand like what's going on in our liver. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of something called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease.
0: I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that that is a huge problem in the United States. Um, Now, and it's really tied to um, fructose, high fructose corn syrup, people drinking high fructose corn syrup, that's a different kind of sugar. It's not processed the same way that like white table sugar is. High fructose corn syrup goes right to our liver and our liver pretty much converts it to fat as storage. And those little fat, that fat storage crowds out and can damage the normal healthy liver tissue. So you're kind of just trying, you know, it's basically like stuffing fat into something and those, the other cells that are already, it's like stuffing people into a subway car or something. You're like, I'm crushed, you know? And, and, but if you stop drinking or, you know, it's mainly like, you know, for kids, it's certainly high fructose corn syrup. So that is to me, like lowest hanging fruit, like parents, if you want to do one thing, just start reading labels and anything with high fructose corn syrup, just get that out of our di- your diet. That is, we are not meant to be drinking that, eating or drinking that stuff. Um, that was designed, it's cheap, helps products stay on the shelf, helps them like the texture, they call it like mouthfeel. It helps with just us liking to eat and drink that kind of stuff, uh-huh. but it's it's terrible for our health.
0: Oh, you have been so amazing and so informative and I can't thank you enough. Tell everybody where they can find you. And I'm going to make sure we have all of your links in our case okay. as well. Well,
1: I have a website, Um, sheilacarolmd.com. um So somebody could find me there. I'm, I'm also on Instagram at SheilaCarolMD. Um, those are the best, those are the easiest places to find me. I I write a blog, I write a blog, so I'm trying to like, just put out a lot of, uh, you know, value. I really feel like, um, because it was me, because I was, I'm right there with everybody. Like, I just didn't know, like, Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't know what I was doing that was keeping me stuck in these ways. I didn't want to be stuck. And like, oh, then I learned, like, I even, I learned about insulin and how insulin works in your body, like 20 years after I went to medical school. We don't talk, maybe now they're talking about that in medical school. But when I went to medical school, weight was calories in, calories out. You eat 3,500 calories. That's a pound. It's a pound, you know? But the truth is 3,500 calories of celery does not have the same, does not create the same hormonal response that 3,500 calories of a cookie. If you, you know, right. the celery, you are not going to have your insulin go up. You are, you know, you're not creating this major glucose spike, but with processed foods, you do. And mm-hmm. so that whole paradigm needs I think if people really knew that and and if we can teach our kids that like you know and it doesn't have to be so strict and doesn't have to be painful it doesn't have to be um it doesn't have to be bad it's actually great and it's freeing
0: <laughs> right
1: right <laughs> you know do you see uh, patients, um online well, I am, I'm seeing coaching. We don't call them patients. We call them clients. Okay. So that's what I've transitioned to after 23 years. I just recently stopped seeing patients in the office and I'm not sure if I'll go back to doing that or not, but with the pandemic and I'm an only parent, so it's just me and my son. So I needed a little bit more, um, flexibility with his schedule Okay. Sure. and, I just feel so passionately about, um, because if you, bring if you, for example, the medical approach to weight you know, to help your children, child with weight, you know, the parents, we tell, and it's coming from the medical, it's coming from us medical people. Okay. Make an appointment for your child. And okay. So a little seven-year-old girl comes in, she doesn't, she can't possibly, she's She's just living her life. (laughs) Right. She has no idea. No idea. So for me to spend time talking to her, that's like the word, you know, it's not helpful. And in fact, the only thing I think that could potentially be harmful for her because I'm somehow sending her the message that something's wrong with her and, Mm -hmm. oh, you need to stop doing this. No, no, no.
0: I agree completely.
1: Yeah. But I could spend an hour or 20 hours or more talking to her parents and helping her parents understand what they can do to set up their life. Mm -hmm. Well, frankly, it'll benefit the parents too, their health, but also help their child and the child. And the other thing is because we know I experience it all the time with my own son, the pushback of, I don't want to eat that this doesn't taste good. Like, okay. So parents need scripts and tools and skills of how to manage that, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, so, so that's what I've transitioned to doing is helping parents of kids who are struggling with weight and health. I help the parents help their child without the child really even being involved.
0: That is great. Cause I agree a thousand percent. You can't, you can try and talk. First of all, they're not going to give you their attention for long. And then second yeah. of all, they're going to feel like, what did I do? Why am I bad? Why, you know, what did I do wrong? And then it, it just bounces into a million different other things. So and I completely. their
1: brains are just not wired for that. Like the whole point, like you and I were talking about earlier is like emotional eating and thinking about, you know, thinking about what you're thinking. Well, that's a really mature skill. You know, that's Mm -hmm. coming from our prefrontal cortex part of our brain, which is not developed until you're, you know, 25, fully developed till you're 25, 26. So to ask a seven-year-old girl, like, what are you, what are you really feeling when you're reaching for those cookies? Like, she's like, what?
0: I want some cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? So they, they just, they're not, they can't do it.
0: You're they can't do it. Right.
1: They have to have parents. And mm-hmm. the other thing, the other, I'll just throw this in there for if there's any parents out there listening. The other thing I think that parents sometimes think is like, Oh, I need to sign my kid up. I got to sign him up for the gym. I got to sign him up for this program. You know, that's also not, yes, there's so many wonderful benefits of movement and exercise, but also that's, that's, it's not that that's not the biggest bang for your buck. The biggest bang for your buck is what, what, what we're them. eating.
0: Right. Yeah. What
1: we're consuming. Yeah. And those, that's where the money is making change. Um, And, and just that it doesn't have to be perfect. 1% change here, 1% change there. It, it adds up. It totally adds up and our kids are growing. And what we're really, what we're really trying to do is like we said this, like, Long runway of teaching them the not giving them the knowledge of why they're choosing to eat what they're eating and empowering them with the skills to actually make the choices that are gonna be
0: best for them. absolutely. I cannot thank you enough. I do oh, to come back and talk me. with us again. You Anytime. amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I'm gonna make sure everybody gets the the links and everything for you in the okay. notes. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Victoria. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely.